0: When I look out into the world at the people that I want to learn from over the next few years, Dr. Joe Dispenza is at the top of that list. And we started this podcast with a meditation. And one of the reasons why I want to learn so much from Dr. Joe Dispenza is that it is difficult for me to access those deep feelings of gratitude and to project myself into those future states that I want to call into my own future reality. So not only as a meditation coach not only as someone who understands the human body and our ability to affect the human body with the mind but also someone who can help me access those deep feelings of joy and gratitude and passion and love for life so the podcast jumps in right after that meditation and i hope you guys enjoy it it was one of my favorites one of the interesting things that happens for me in I've been so blessed, you know, truly been so blessed with so many things in my life. But some part of me has prevented, restricted myself from really feeling that passion and love for the life that I live, even though it's played out like I, like I wrote it down and dreamed it and it couldn't have been better. But some part of me has been holding back, maybe waiting for that next thing that's going to come that I have to be prepared for sure. or whatever. And so when even going through this meditation, I feel that passion, I feel that love. I feel tears start to well in my eyes, and part of that is part of the appreciation, but part of that is linked with some sadness of like, wow, this was here this whole time, yeah. and I haven't been feeling it. Yeah, and that's and that and that's a great moment. I think a lot of people,
1: um, they just they they are who they practice to be. So if you practice gratitude, then you will be grateful. If you practice like against all odds, opening your heart when no one else will, that's supernatural. And it gets easier to do it in in situations that require less effort to do it. And I think that people, like you'll, you know, we'll have a thousand people at this event uh, coming from all over the world and and, uh, they'll learn how to do that. And if you're gonna believe in a future, you know, that you're imagining with all of your heart, it better be open and activated. And we actually measure, so we can say to the person, Aubrey, you're doing it. Or we could say, <laughs> you're not doing it. And that's important to know because yeah, for sure. the then feedback. you're going to pay attention and do it better, right? Yeah.
0: I think that's one of the real incredible things that you've offered the world is that not so it starts with this mystical understanding that isn't brand new i mean jesus said pray as if it has already been done which is putting you in the state of gratitude rather mm-hmm. than state of hopefulness in the mm-hmm. state of i hope this happens and i'm here i am you know in this spot but maybe later it'll be there pray as if it has already been done so it's that mystical truth but then you combine it with the pragmatism of how you practice it along with the science of how you measure it mm-hmm. And now it's something for our time, yeah. like something for everyone that we can really grab a hold of. Well, I think, uh, I think first of all,
1: science is the contemporary language of mysticism. I think, you know, if you're studying uh, the life of Jesus as an example or Buddha, that was the language of the time, right? Mm. So here we are in a contemporary world and science has become that language. So when you combine a little quantum physics with neuroscience and neuroendocrinology and psychoneuroimmunology and epigenetics, all of, all of those different branches of sciences, the new sciences point the finger at possibility. And in this particular work, I think that the more you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, the how gets easier mm-hmm. because you can assign meaning to what you, what you do. So then, uh, this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. This is a time in history to know how. Right. Because information is so readily available, you you can gain information. You don't need an authority. You don't need a priest. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a governor. Uh, you, you, you can gain information without some passing through some type of authority. And so people are empowered. And the next most practical question is... How am I gonna apply this to my life? Now, when you learn new things, you make new connections in your brain. That's what learning is. But if you can't remember what you learned, then you haven't made any new connections that are sustainable or maintainable. So the more the person can repeat what they've learned, Mm -hmm. uh, the more they're installing the neurological hardware in their brain in preparation for the experience. And so now they're priming their brain for the act, right? And when the experience happens, Experience then enriches the circuitry in your brain. That's what experience does. So now you're laying down even more neurological tracks, but the payoff is the chemical called the emotion. And the moment you feel unlimited, the moment you feel grateful, the moment you feel abundant, now you're teaching your body chemically to understand what your mind is intellectually understood. So knowledge is for the mind and experiences for the body and now we're embodying the truth of that philosophy. We're literally signaling new genes in new ways and changing our future changing our genetic future and if you've done it once then you're an athlete you'd be able to do it over and over again and if you keep right. repeating it you neurochemically condition your mind and body to begin to work as one and the redundancy of the act over and over again uh, conditions the body to know how to do it better than the mind <laughs> now it's innate in you, it's second nature, it's easy, it's familiar, it's, it's who you are. And so I think we, we start as philosophers, we initiate, you know, we become initiates, and then we master it. You know, knowledge, experience, wisdom, mind, body, soul. Uh, learning it with your head, applying it with your hands, knowing it by heart. Uh, thinking to doing to being. And so I think one, to answer that kind of question or that comment is that, yeah, yeah we, should, we should get up as if our prayers are already answered. The problem is is that our senses fool us into separation. The person says, I want to be healed, I want to be healthy, I want to be wealthy. And they imagine it and they come back and it's not there. And when they see it, it's not there. The thought of their future creates the emotion of lack or separation. And the thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. Now you have mind and body in opposition. So then, if you think about something like appreciation or thankfulness or gratitude, Gratitude, when you are receiving something, when you just receive something, when, when something is happening to you in the moment or something just happened to you that you enjoy or you're, you're surprised about or, you're, or is pleasing to you, you feel this emotion of gratitude. So gratitude becomes the, uh, the signature, the emotional signature that it's already happened. Mm. Gratitude is the ultimate state of receiving. So now when the person combines a clear intention of their future and they open their heart and they feel the emotion of that future, their body is objective. It's the unconscious mind. It doesn't know the difference between the actual experience in their life that's creating the emotion and the emotion that they're fabricating by thought alone. In that moment, their body is believing it's in that future, in the present moment. And the stronger the emotion they feel, the more altered they feel inside of them, the more they pay attention to the picture in their mind. And we could say then that they're beginning to remember their future. And biologically, it's the same as remembering your past. So if you keep practicing opening your heart and you keep combining it with a clear intention, then the thought and the feeling changes your state of being. Which means then, if you keep doing that over time, you'll feel like your future has already happened. Now what's the significance of that? If you feel like your future has already happened, you stop looking for it. You're no longer waiting and wondering when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen. You feel like it's already happened. So now you take your foot off the, the gas, and you're no longer trying to predict or control or expect how it's gonna happen. You're connected emotionally to your future. Well. The antithesis is also true. The stronger the emotion you feel for some betrayal, some shock, some trauma, the more altered you feel inside of you, the more you narrow your focus on the outer environment and the brain takes a snapshot and that's called a memory. And so the stronger the emotion, the more the brain embosses the imagery neurologically in the brain. So then the person thinks neurologically within the circuitry of that experience and they feel within the boundaries of those emotions. So then we could say then, the person's biology is literally in the past. So you can't create a new future if your state of being is in the past. So people reaffirm their identity this way. They wake up in the morning and they say, let me think about my problems. And those problems are memories of past experiences that are etched in their brain. So they think about the person, the place, the, the object, the experience. And we could say then, if they believe that their thoughts have something to do with their destiny, They're thinking in the past. And every one of those problems has an emotion associated. So now they feel unhappy. Now they feel fear. Now they feel unworthy.
0: (laughs) And they might be addicted to those feelings.
1: Oh, no, no. It's a conditioning process because conditioning, all you need is an image. They've mastered this on Mm -hmm. television. An image or a brand and an emotion. And all you need is a stimulus and a response. So every time the person remembers their future, their past, as they remember their past, the image with the emotion is literally subconsciously conditioning their brain and body into the past. And so if they're living in the familiar past, guess what? They're gonna predict the, the, the next future. They're gonna wanna be able to predict their future. So because that's the known. So that there's only one place where the unknown exists and that's the present moment. And teaching people how to get into the generous present moment takes an act of awareness. And
0: most people would rather turn on their TV or, you know, uh, get on their cell phone or Facebook or whatever. because well, that reaffirms their present, which is living in the past, right? And I'd noticed this even with myself. I know that I'm addicted to the stress hormones and that state of struggle and that state of fighting to mm-hmm. try and build my business, to try and mm-hmm. create this message, to try and deliver this blessing that I knew I had early on and make sure that I deliver it in the best way possible and all the pressure and all the anxiety and all the worry about that. And I'll wake up and I'm so addicted to those stress cocktails that the first thing I'm going to do is, and I'm gonna charge straight into my Instagram, yeah. which is the expression of all of these right. things and it's the information, of my identity up right. to this point, and then I get that nice rush, that yeah. nice kick of everything that's been before yeah. and the Aubrey that's lived up to this point, and then that stress hormone then wakes me up and I'm right. ready to start right. my same ass day that I've had so many times before. And th- and this is actually Aubrey,
1: not a bad thing. <laughs> this is actually. A- a- a moment of awareness. Yeah. And you, you know, when you're inside the jar, you can't see the label. And so we have this huge frontal lobe that gives us self-awareness. So then the insight never changes anything. You could have the insight that you're addicted to fear, you're addicted to competition, you're addicted to struggle. But that really means is that we're addressing reality matter to matter. And what we're, we're at one point of awareness, one point of consciousness, and we're putting our attention on another point of consciousness, a future, an outcome. And the only way we know how to get there, when we're matter trying to change matter, is that we force, we control, we predict, we fight for it, because that's 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 how you are when you're living in survival. So then we have to move our bodies through space, and that takes time. So we think if we rush, that we're actually going to get there faster. But more and more of the rushing creates more of the addiction of those emotions because the adrenaline that's released is actually an arousal. So Mm. a person is using the conditions, the problems, the, the situations in their life to reaffirm their addiction to some emotion. To me, that means we become addicted to the life we don't even like. And so that's why change is so hard. So then let's offer another alternative. Well, when you begin to create from the field, instead of from matter. The only way you can do that is you have to learn how to take all of your attention off your body and become a nobody. Take all of your attention off all the people in your life that you give so much of your attention and energy to because you have an emotion associated with them. And get beyond all the people in your life and go from a someone to a no one. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've worked your whole life being a someone, or if you've been working your whole life thinking that you're your body, You're gonna have to work a little harder because that's your identity. That's what you're associated with. And it's a long time of conditioning. It's it's a long time of conditioning. And if this was easy,
0: everybody (laughs) would be doing it.
1: So then you have to go get beyond all the things in your life, your cell phone, your computer, your car, and literally go from something to nothing. You have to take all your attention off the place you work, the place you live, the place you need to be, the place you're sitting, and go from somewhere to nowhere. You gotta stop thinking about the predictable future and the familiar past and go right into the present moment and go from sometime to no time. And if you do that properly, you become pure consciousness. And that's how you enter the field. Mm. Now, we've done the research on this. We call it getting beyond the self. Now, once you are pure consciousness, you're taking all of your attention off this three-dimensional reality. Now, where you place your attention is where you place your energy. So if you've taken all of your attention off of everything material, there's only one place you're gonna wind up and that is the immaterial realm called the quantum field, an invisible field of energy that unifies and connects everything material. So now when you're creating from the field and you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion and you're connected and you feel connected, the suggestion of an alternative way to create is that when there's a vibrational match between your energy in some future reality, you actually no longer have to go anywhere to get it. You're actually the vortex and you will collapse space and time and draw the experience to you. Now that to me is a lot more fun Mm. because the experience is the unknown. You can't predict when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen, because if you can predict it, it's the (laughs) known. So then you have to lay down the very thing you use your whole life to get what you want for something greater to occur. Now that goes against generations untold of conditioning and a lifetime of habituation, believing that we're, we're trapped in this material world. And yet I can, I can say to you without a doubt that once you understand that formula and once you know how to create that kind of brain and heart coherence, the side effect of that is a change in biology Neurologically, chemically, hormonally, genetically, we've measured it. We've seen gene regulation changes in four days. More brain coherence, more heart coherence. Your brain's working better. Your heart is, you're trusting your heart. It's open. There's different chemicals that are released. Oxytocin suppresses survival centers, resets the baseline of a person's trauma or shock. Your immune system goes up. hmm you're, you, you lengthen your telomeres. We've measured that too. So you're changing the future of your body. You're extending your life. E- that's evidence, right? So we, we have the evidence to know that it could happen because we've measured it. But the real evidence is watching the testimonial of someone who says, I had stage four cancer. I was told as a 41-year-old woman that I wouldn't live for more than two months. And I have no evidence of cancer in my body at all or someone that's a physician who has Parkinson's disease that's tried everything from the medical route and has one transcendental moment and their tremors and their pain are gone that now they're chewing food they're swallowing uh they're blowing their nose they're standing up on their own uh that's energy affecting matter so we have hundreds and hundreds of testimonials of people that not only heal their body but created pretty profoundly magical things in their life so you have evidence in the scientific world you have evidence in the practical world and evidence is the loudest voice right now
0: it, yeah it's it's necessary to overcome that bias of the rational mind that we developed to get us past these superstition like the superstition stage where we were afraid of all kinds of things and we relied on science to get us past that point where we could have something we could have faith in and now that we can have the science that can harness the abilities and match up with our the things that you're saying that really empowers us to overcome that initial objection and allows us to empower our belief to actually reach that state and and the accelerator
1: of that whole process is witnessing it because i'll stand on the stage i did this just in our last week-long event in cancun and i watched a man stand on the stage and tell his testimony of his healing. I looked out in the audience. There wasn't a person in the audience that was thinking about anything else. They were they were they were witnessing truth right before their eyes a, a miracle. Now, you see that and you look at the person that doesn't look like a movie star, doesn't look like a vegetarian, doesn't look like they're buffed, doesn't look like uh, they're, 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 they're different than anybody else. They just look like an average person. And the most common thought that happens when you witness that is if that person can do it, so could I, and that drops the belief right away. You, you cannot go back mm to being the same person after you witness that. It's, it's impossible. You're witnessing that type of transformation. And stroke patients that have had a paralyzed limb for years or have been blinded by a stroke that have perfect vision again. And the scans from their physician shows a complete 100% recovery. Now, strokes don't heal if they don't heal in two weeks according to the conventional model of medicine. And nerves don't really come back online if they've been damaged uh, uh, after a period of time. And yet we're witnessing those kind of supernatural changes. So then the belief, the subconscious belief that that is impossible. You may say, oh yeah, I believe that a person can be healed. Yeah, I believe in miracles. But when it comes time to actually execute them, Mm -hmm. you got to step outside a little bit and you got to trust a whole lot. So then when you start witnessing it, it becomes like a brush fire. I mean, we see in our events, once we start seeing those healings, we know it's gonna just get better and more phenomenological. And then the, then the side effect of that is a person with Reynard syndrome who has incredible sensitivity to cold, that has an immune problem, that is, you can't go out of their house. They stand on the stage and they say, I cannot believe it. I was just outside. It's November in, in London. I don't have no pain in my hands. And someone in the audience watches the same thing. We had four people at that event with Reynard syndrome, go into complete recovery, into complete remission. So just like an infection spreads amongst the community and creates disease, all of a sudden, health and wellness can be as infectious as disease. And, and wow, and all of a sudden, it's the new consciousness. It's the new way. It's that it's, so we don't have to rely on something outside of us to make us feel better inside of us. We, we begin to figure that out.
0: And I think that's, you know, that was, when I read you were the placebo, you know, that was that, ultimately compelling case to remind us that hey this is something that every clinical trial accounts for it accounts for the mind affecting the body so anybody who's a skeptic you can't be a skeptic and you list and i mean hundreds in that book alone right but then just knowing that we account for that in every single randomized clinical trial that we do we account for the placebo effect affecting the body in a way in a positive way. So we know that this happens, but that nonetheless, when something spectacular happens with the placebo effect, oh a spontaneous remission. Yeah. You know, we'll discard that as like, yeah. oh, that was random. Yeah. Even though we know that the placebo effect is real or the nocebo effect, yeah. the opposite of that, is also real. Still science wants to kind of like, yeah, let's just discard these spontaneous remissions. Well, I, I'm actually
1: more interested in in deepening that understanding, which means Do we need a sugar pill, saline injection, or some false surgery or procedure to change our state of being? I mean, do you need some external influence? Because the sugar pill is a symbol. It's a symbol of possibility. And the person has been conditioned that pills heal (laughs) people. So they put their power into it. And the moment the physician says, this is a new drug, and the physician is enthusiastic or excited about it, that enthusiasm becomes contagious. And the person all of a sudden sees the possibility in their mind, they actually see a future, that they actually could be healthy or better. That's a clear intention. And when they feel optimistic, when they feel inspired, when they feel grateful, when they're changing their emotions or energy, they're combining a clear intention with an elevated emotion and of thoughts of the vocabulary of the brain and feelings of the vocabulary of the body and how you think and how you feel creates your state of being. They just moved from their past present state of being into a future present state of being. They began to change their brain and body by thought alone. So then do you need that sugar pill or can you just do it without it? and get so good at doing it that you can change your state of being without the belief that you can, you need to rely
0: on something how outside of you how fucking radically empowering though right <laughs> no it, like it to is. take control of that mechanism and said and also this is the time that it needs to happen because the general skepticism of the medical in- industry and of the pills actually working and of the conventional treatments actually working that's on a downward that's on a downward decline i would say on the macro people are trusting that Oh, I can just take a pill and everything will be fixed. People are trusting that less. So as they trust that less, their actual belief that that is going to happen is going to decrease. So the result of that happening is going to decrease. So we need something else to replace that, of which course. is the methodologies that you're really now, teaching. Now, it. there's a caveat to this because <laughs> in depression studies
1: where they give someone a placebo and they say this is the best best drug for depression, four out of five people, that are in the placebo study get better or do as well as people who are taking the actual antidepressant that's that's 80 percent right but here's the deal they've been taking that sugar pill for about eight weeks every day taking that pill and combining that clear intention with an elevated emotion they're moving into a new state of being so now, now what that means is you got to do the work that means yeah. you actually have to practice sitting down, getting beyond all the people in your life, all the things you need to do, the place you need to go. You got you to get beyond your body wanting to get up and go because it's been programmed that way. And you got to tell your body, you're not getting up until I say. Now, this is when you come out of the bleachers and you get on the playing field because now you have to go from the known self disentangle from those programs and exist in the unknown and possibility. So then the person who's combining the clear intention with an elevated emotion and not relying on some external or exogenous substance, they're doing it by thought alone, changing their state of being, I guarantee you, it's gonna begin to become a habit. And they're gonna know when they're there and when they're not. And the word meditation means to become familiar with. So then the more you become familiar with how you feel and changing that state of being, the easier it will be, be for you to do it with your eyes open as well as your eyes closed. and if you go back to the old state of being, there's a good probability that your pain or your condition will come back. So there's mm-hmm. this kind of waltz that goes on when people are uh, learning how to heal and change. They take a few steps forward and then a few steps back and then three steps forward and only one step back. Mm. and they had to practice practice self-regulating. They got to practice what they're paying attention to, what they're unconscious of, and if you, if you stay with it for a long enough period of time, all of a sudden now, the person reaches a point, we've measured what happens, where their chemistry changes so dramatically that they're literally in love with life. Now, imagine what happens when oxytocin is released in the quantities that we see. Oxytocin signals nitric oxide Nitric oxide signals a chemical called endothelial derived relaxing factor. And that's a big word or set of words that just means a chemical that signals the arteries in your heart to literally expand. And when they expand, you're getting more blood flow in there. And just like when your sexual organs are around, aroused and there's blood flow in there, now with the same intensity, you're gonna feel it right in your heart and it's gonna be way bigger. And now the person's heart is wide open. Now, so here's the question. a person feels those emotions, do you think they're going to want to judge somebody else in that moment? you you think they're going to want to hold a grudge? (laughs) They're not going to try to forgive. They're going to feel so amazing, they're not going to want to lose this feeling and they're just going to say, I forgive you. I'm not going to give this feeling up because of you. Now, Now that's the side effect of true transformation. The side effect is a greater level of consciousness. The side effect is a greater skill set in life and and I think that when you start getting good at this, then all the things you thought you wanted, you no longer want because when you're creating more brain and heart coherence, you feel more whole. And the more whole you feel, the less you Mm -hmm. live in lack. So how could you want many things (laughs) if you feel whole? It feels like you already have them. And, And that's actually when you start to see those wonderful miracles, those synchronicities, those serendipities, those coincidences happening in a person. Those are experiences coming to them. That's the field dropping breadcrumbs saying, keep going, keep going. And there's a synchronization between that person's energy and their future. And the side effect of that are signs. Uh, And and that's when it gets to be exciting because every sign does what? It creates an enthusiasm and excitement. You're kind of going, hey, there's another sign. I'm gonna go do it again. So you, now you're not going, oh, I have to meditate today. Oh, jeez, I got to create my life. You're looking forward you're to like, it. You're like, oh my God, I don't <laughs> want the magic to stop happening. I'm going to get into it. And every synchronicity creates that elevated emotion and you use that energy for the next creation and people climb out of their lives, climb climb out of their pasts.
0: You know, in the book, Becoming Supernatural, you talk about, and you do this in You Are the Placebo too. you talk about the mechanism by which, you know, our thoughts can affect our body. And I thought one of the interesting things that I never really thought about you talk about the up regulation down regulation of some of our gene expression but we have this term that's been thrown around junk dna where Mm -hmm. 98 percent of our cells are filled with this junk dna and then you just again like the spontaneous remission science just discards that but you Mm. say huh what if this is just the raw quantum building blocks for whatever the fuck you want to build yeah you know what if that's what that is i mean that's a great conversation for two bottles of wine in about four (laughs) hours
1: which which to me I'd rather talk about that than talk trash about anybody else or any sports figure because that that conversation is what invites possibilities. So so the body's a protein producing machine. Every single cell in your body except red blood cells makes proteins. Muscle cells make muscle proteins, actin and myosin. Skin cells make skin proteins, collagen and elastin. Your stomach cells make stomach proteins called enzymes. Um, your immune system makes immune proteins called antibodies or immunoglobulins. Your eye cells make eye proteins called keratin. So your, your body's a protein-producing machine. And in order for those cells to make proteins, a gene has to be regulated. So then they used to say genes create disease. Lie. It's an absolute lie. There's a very small percentage. About five to one percent of the people on the planet are born with a true genetic condition, like type one diabetes. The other ninety-five to ninety-nine percent is created from lifestyle or behaviors. Uh, two identical twins sharing the same genome. One dies at fifty-two, the other one dies at eighty-eight. Well, what what happened there? It was the reaction to the environment that caused their genes to be switched on or upregulated to make a healthy protein or downregulated to make a cheaper protein and and it turns out that when you're living in stress and living in survival you're living in emergency mode and that's not a time for growth and repair. Yeah. That's a time to to mobilize all the body's energy, all its resources from some endangered situation real or imagined in their life. So if you're living in emergency mode for an extended period of time, and you keep signaling that gene, well, my goodness, it makes sense then, that over time, the gene's gonna begin to wear out, just like like taking a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Sooner or later, you're gonna start making a cheaper protein. So the expression of proteins literally is the expression of life. So then, is it possible then, to signal the gene ahead of the environment? The answer is absolutely yes. Because if a person's waiting for their wealth to feel abundance, if they're waiting for their health to feel wholeness and gratitude, if they're, if they're waiting for their new relationship to feel love, they're living by the old model of reality of cause and effect. Waiting for something out there to change to make them feel better and here, take away their lack or emptiness. But the moment the person embraces the emotion ahead of the event if they understood what they were doing and why they were doing it Then if the environment signals the gene and it does and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion When you embrace the emotion ahead of the experience You're signaling the gene ahead of the environment and if genes make proteins and proteins are responsible for the structure and function of your body you begin to become that very person. So it's not our wealth, it's not our health, it's not our new relationships, it's not the things we accumulate, it's who we become. Yeah. So we overcome the old self, which takes a great act of will and awareness, and we become somebody else. So then when you become it, nobody can take that away from you, in fact, You know that you know how to do it or you know that you know that you are it. And and an abundant person doesn't say, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm abundant. Or a healthy person doesn't say, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy. They don't say that. They are it. So then most people have just been fooled by their senses because they're, 5% 5% of their conscious mind is holding the intent, but their body is habituated into a predictable future, or emotionally conditioned into the past. And they're, and they're saying, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, or, or I'm happy, I'm happy. And the body's going, you're miserable. You're unhappy. You're, that, that thought can't even make it past the brainstem to the body. So then, teaching people how to self-regulate, they have no idea when they started changing their emotional states the amount of... Biological and energetic changes that take place within them and all around them. So then develop that skill and get really good at this. Then for the most part you wouldn't be so interested in in so many material things. You would be interested in facing off with yourself every day and asking what is it that stands in the way between me and my future What is it that stands in the way between me and my connection to the quantum field? That, that's. I think that's the real question.
0: That is the real question, and I, and I think you know I can look to my own life to see myself in that place of grappling with the resistance to doing that, and looking at the resistance not only personally but in the macro. All right, you shed this yoke of genetic determinism, where it's not my fault. My genes are driving me this way. Well, then if you're really hard on yourself and you blame yourself for everything that happens, if you have that natural tendency, if you shed this idea that things are happening to you and it's not you know it's not your fault no matter what well then you have to take responsibility and if you're going to blame yourself for everything that's happened and you're going to be really hard and you're not able to forgive yourself well you're not going to want to shed this idea of genetic. genetics no, no it's your
1: it's your identity now
0: right it, it becomes
1: your identity so it's a very interesting conversation because this is an unlearning process i mean i mean watson and crick you know, telling people that genes are the genes are a library of possibilities. So we express one and a half percent of our DNA. The other 98.5% is called junk DNA. And, and that 1.5%, that's 23,688 genes we express. We have a hundred and forty thousand proteins that make up the physical body. How could you have more proteins than genes, it should be one to one. Because on one gene, you can have thousands of variations depending on the signal. So I hypothesize that that other 98.5% has to be signaled by electromagnetism. That the receptor sites on the outside of the cells are, are hundreds of times more sensitive to energy or electromagnetism than the art of chemistry. Chemistry is a downward causation. So imagine the person elevating their energetic state. Well, they are going to literally select and instruct new genes, and and those genes may may be the ones that create more significant and faster changes in the body. I mean, how do you explain a person in one meditation that's blind that comes out as now seen? Like, what happened there? With the a stroke patient who, who, who was paralyzed for years is now moving a limb? I mean, that's, it's, it, it's, it's not matter that emits a field. That's an illusion. It's the field that creates matter. So then the fundamental question is, if you change the field, will you change matter? It's none of your business to change the tumor. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the outcropping, that's the outpicturing of changing the pattern in the field. So getting people really good at this, and the closer they can connect to that unified field, the more they are, their consciousness is connected to that consciousness, the shorter amount of time it'll take.
0: Yeah, and, and again, going back to that resistance, I mean, we started this discussion with that little piece that could cause resistance and maybe has caused resistance. Maybe me believing that loving life is a choice... And that little bit of sadness that brought those tears to my eyes when we were doing our brief meditation before the podcast, that little bit of sadness of like, wow i could have been doing this this whole time i'm 38 and i've loved life sporadically and i have had a very blessed life but if i would have chosen it i could have been more passionate i could have loved it even more i could have loved the people that i loved i could have loved the places loved my family loved the people that i've lost i could have done all this then i'm like oh no oh no but that's the wrong way to think because that's again living in the past why not live in the present now saying okay i forgive myself for the past i did the best i fucking could and now how about here on right and here on let me choose this new way and when you're ready to wake up you wake
1: (laughs) up and and i mean i believe i'm an eternal being i believe i'm eternal and in fact all religions that you study always talk about you're you're going to be around for eternity whether it's heaven or hell Mm -hmm. whether it's karma or whatever nirvana you are going consciousness is going to exist so you're going to be stuck with yourself for a very long time (laughs) which then asks begs the question well if I'm waking up now and it's 2019 and I have this healthy body and this charisma and I'm successful, my goodness, I'm going to use the same passion, that the life that I've created with those great habits and I'm going to turn it inward and I'm going to bloom like a flower in a new way because, hey, someone did it at 33 years old, you're 38, mm-hmm. so what? There are people in this in this group that we're about ready to do that are in their 80s and they could be home watching wheel of fortune and they're all in and you can't tell me you're too old to do this work we have people in their 80s and a a few in their 90s i've seen their brain scans and they know how to do it and you know what they're happy you can't you can't tell me you're too sick to do this work any longer we have really really sick people that have reversed very serious health conditions and even genetic disorders that there were no solutions for in medical science. And there were days that they doubted themselves. And there were days that they didn't feel like doing their meditations. And there were days they were in so much fear because the doctors told them they were stupid and they were gonna die. And there were days they could have excused themselves and said, I have too much going on, I'm too busy. And they could have excused themselves and not done the work, but guess what? They did it anyway. They overcame the conditions in their environment. They overcame their beliefs. They overcame those programs, the conditioning. They overcame their body. They overcame their fear. Their love for life started to become greater than their fear of death. That's just because they made the effort to turn the battleship around. And, and you can't even tell me that you're too overweight or too underweight or too out of shape. I've seen it on all shapes and sizes. You can't even tell me that, sh- that you're, you never meditated before. In fact, many times people who have never meditated before have the most profound readings because they're not trying to do anything or expect to do anything mm-hmm. or doing it their way. They're just following what, what you tell them to do and their innocence, they run right into something really big. So, so, so what, at 38 years old, practicing this, you could say that my new goal is to live for 150 years in a body that's 38 or 48, and we're measuring telomeres. We have people, many people, their biological age is way different than their chronological age. They don't care that they're 38, their body tells them they're 28, and, and why? Because they're working with down-regulating genes for disease and up-regulating genes for health every day. Why? Because they understand that they can, and if you don't understand that you can, and you're ignorant, then it doesn't work. So then, so then people who actually say, I'm going to experiment, I'm going to, become, I'm going to become the scientist with my life. I'm going to measure the effects of me at cause. That's how I live. I say, alright, I'm going to change my energy. I, I can tell you, nobody changes. And all the years I've been doing this, nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. And why not every day instead of getting up and searching for your cell phone, 86% of the people that have a smartphone the first thing they do when they wake up is they do their WhatsApp, their text, their Facebook. They take a picture of their feet. They post it on Facebook. Then they do their Instagram, you know, take a picture of their cat, you know, and then they link in and then they check one email, the other email, and they check the news. And now they're, 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 they're ons and everything known in their life. They reaffirm their identity. And then they go through all those routine behaviors, 95 Percent of them, they're not even present and conscious of There's just a group of them. Or they're, they're remembering their problems in their past. That's how they start their day. And, and don't expect anything in your life to change if your environment is controlling your feelings and thoughts. And if your environment is controlling how you feel and think. And I say to you, Aubrey, why are you so upset today? Oh, well, this person's upsetting me. What you're really saying is that person is controlling your feelings and your thoughts, and that means you're a victim to your environment. Well, to turn that around, and you start realizing your feelings and thoughts create your environment, (laughs) and you start seeing the effects of you at cause, you're going to react less to the people in your life because you're going to understand that you'll be back to the victim consciousness. And, and when you start seeing that you're creating outcomes in your life, you're going to believe more that you're the creator of your life and less the victim of your life. And I say, the more you practice it, the better you
0: get at it. What do you tell people who struggle with that assertion of will that that needs to be there to overcome the addiction to being yourself right like the uh, it, you know if there's someone who just who believes what you're saying like yeah yeah i get it but they're still finding themselves not quite stepping up to the plate to put that phone down to go through that meditation the first thing to break the habit of being themselves but because they're addicted they just don't have that will like what do you what do you say to them i say come to a
1: week long (laughs) we'll take care of you in a week right i mean we'll take care of you you know i mean there's so many times the husbands get dragged to these events with their wives you know and they're sitting there like you know, by the third day, I'm their best friend, man. Their hearts <laughs> wide open. They're, I mean, they're healed. I mean, their crazy stuff happens. And and look, I mean, it's a movement now. I mean, I'm waking up in my dream. I I, I honestly, Aubrey, never thought that I would witness what I'm witnessing in this lifetime. And there is a new consciousness emerging. There's something happening where people are latching on to their own empowerment, latching on to their own unlimitedness. And it's becoming very contagious. So the person, you know, I I used to golf a lot with my friends and I I used to say to them, I mean, I'm a decent golfer, but I'd say to them, I'm just not good enough to get upset. Just, I'm really not, but I'm gonna have a lot of fun. Mm And, and I'm going to play, and the more fun I have, the better I play. I watch, you know, you, you duff a shot, and then you start getting angry and frustrated. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's, your game is going to, you're going you're gonna to make the same mistake on the next swing because your emotion is keeping you in your past. Mm-hmm. So you got to make a choice to self-regulate or not. And the ones that get right back on that have ice water in their veins that can settle down and refocus again, Yeah, those are the ones that execute really well. So the person who can't get beyond themselves, it's just a matter of practicing. How many balls do you have to hit? Mm -hmm. How many punches do you have to throw? How many kicks do you have to throw? Till all of a sudden you start looking forward to doing it. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, I can tell you this because I've been doing it for a very long time. Some days are easier than others, but I'm not gonna give up, I'm just not. I mean, if I'm gonna carve out some time, then I'm all in. I'm not, I'm not going to shut my cell phone off. I'm going to disconnect from it. It's all going to be there when I get back. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make my inner world more real than my outer world. And step by step, I mean, you can't get impatient doing this. You can't get frustrated doing this. You can't get resentful doing this. You can't force it or control it doing it. I've seen what happens in the brain. You're going to make your brain worse. So sooner or later you start figuring out that isn't it and all of a sudden you start following the instructions and you start going Wow, that was really easy. What was I doing up to this point? Everything but the formula you were doing everything else but the formula doing it your way Mm -hmm. analytical mind telling you to quit It's too hard. You'll never get it. Yeah Those are the exact things that are standing in the way between you and your future and every time you become conscious that you do that and you settle back down that's a victory Every time your body wants to get up and check an email or check the cell phone or check get up and get a cup of coffee and you settle it down you're telling the body it's no longer the mind that you're the mind. Every time it wants to go back to the past and romance some trauma just to reaffirm some emotional state <laughs> and you become conscious of that and you say where I place my attention is where I place my energy and I'm siphoning energy out of the present moment into the past and you become conscious of it and return back to the present moment that's a victory. And every time You start thinking about the staff meeting at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's the known, and you stop and you return back to the present moment. You're disinvesting your attention and energy out of that future, and you're making room for the unknown in your life, and that's a victory. And when your will gets greater than the program, because most people lose their free will to programs, because they are, they are on that wheel where they are, you could take their yesterday and lift it up and set it on their tomorrow because they're in the habit of doing everything in a routine way. So then when they've lost their free will to a program and their body, which is a habit, has become the mind, now their body's dragging them into a predictable future. And they've lost their free will to a program and you sit down and you, your body is telling you i'm going to die in this meditation i'm going to suffocate this is going <laughs> to end and i can't and you
0: just keep settling it back down every time you do that it's a victory and celebrate those victories you know one of the things that i talk about in the book that i wrote is if you're halfway through a donut and you put the second half of the donut down that's a victory yeah. you don't need to beat yourself up for starting that donut right. like that's a victory wherever you are like don't look at it in this binary thing oh start of the year i'm going to start a new plan i'm going to take care yeah. of my body oh well start starting fresh monday like you can stop at any point oh, and that, celebrate that that's victory. my point if you're going to say i'll do it later
1: i'll do it tomorrow or monday you're in a program <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right because you actually should be doing it in the moment right right so then i assert that if you're not In the present moment you're running a program and so the more listen (sighs) Paying attention is being present and it's a skill and you know when someone's present with you in your life Because they're paying attention to you and you know when they're not present with you because they're not paying attention with you to you So then imagine you're going to create and you're not present how could you miss the moment of creation? You then are in the known. You're in the familiar uh, past or the predictable future. So that, 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 that sweet spot of the generous present moment, if you keep practicing overcoming your body, overcoming the conditions in your environment and overcoming that predictable future and the familiar past, and you keep working for the present moment, you are going to develop the habit of being present. And if where you place your attention is where you place your energy and you're in the present moment, you got a lot of energy to use. You got a lot of energy to execute. You got a lot of energy uh, to design a destiny with.
0: And I invite people to look back at their own life and look at the spontaneous moments where this has happened because I can gen- I can literally attribute pretty much every single successful experience of my life, every single great experience from a moment in which I created that idea i had that inspired feeling i had that feeling like oh this is gonna oh this is gonna be big and that flood of emotion and that confidence in that and that it would happen somewhat spontaneously and somewhat serendipitously and then the result would be on it as a company or the result would be my book or the relationship or something great that would happen but I never really harnessed the control over it. I just utilized what kind of happened by happenstance. And maybe I would do a few things to put myself in the right place in the right time to make this happen a little bit more reliably. But no doubt that all of the good things that have happened have come from that formula. Now, if I can take control of that formula, oh shit. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I'll be the first person to say that we already
1: know how to do this. Yeah. We, we, all, we are wired to be creators. We already know how to do it. You just just made up your mind that it was more important than anything else. And, and, And you have that vision, you have that possibility. And the moment you feel that emotion, you're connected to your future. And no person, no thing, no experience will stand in the way between you and that future. And it's feeling connected to your future, feeling the inspiration, the joy, feeling the exuberance, the the, the love for your future every day is going to, just like your body follows your mind to the coffee maker, to the toilet every morning, to the known, your body is gonna follow your mind right into that future because that's where your attention and your energy is. So then, yeah, if it isn't happening in your life, then there's some emotion. (laughs) There's some unconscious attitude or thought process, hardwired. There's some habituation of thought, behavior, or emotional reaction that's keeping you as you. So then if your personality creates your personal reality, and it does, and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel, then the present personality who's listening to this show has created the present personal reality called her life. So if you want to create a new personal reality, a new life, <laughs> it means you're gonna to have to change your personality. <laughs> that means you're gonna to have to start thinking about what you've been thinking about in that 95% and change it. You're gonna have to become conscious of your unconscious habits and behaviors, how you speak, and modify them. And then you're gonna have to look at those emotions that keep you connected to the past and decide, does this emotion belong in my future? And If it doesn't, leave it behind and the memory associated with it. So most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality and it doesn't work. We literally have to become someone else. And the act of becoming is a function of overcoming. So that means you got to light a match in a dark place. And when you sit down and all of a sudden you hear those voices, I can't, it's too hard, I'll never change, it's my ex's fault, it's my boss's fault, you know, uh, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too old, I'm too tired, it's too late. And those are the thoughts that are the boundary of the known. And now you're stepping out into new territory and the body that's been conditioned to be the mind emotionally is saying, don't go, don't, don't leave the uh, the known here. Stick with guilt. It's much better. Stick with suffering. At least you can predict it. And yet your conscious mind is wanting to go for a ride and your body's going, whoa. So, so then it may take a little time to help the body out of the past. It's, it's, it takes some time, right? Uh, so then the person can have a, a great meditation and feel really connected and then get up and then, frustrated on the freeway and judging everybody else. I mean, you just disconnected from the energy of your future and you're back to the energy of your past. Don't expect anything to change. And if you tell me it's because of that person or that circumstance, I'm gonna say, you're back to the unconscious program of being a victim in your life. And so there is a period, a grace period of transformation where we have to cross this river from the old self to the new self. And that, that void, That unknown is the neurological, the biological, the chemical, the hormonal, the genetic death of the old self. And and the most people, the moment they step out, and the hardest part about change is making a new choice. The moment you make a new choice, get ready. you're leaving the known. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unfamiliar. There's going to be some uncertainty. You can't predict. You're not in the known any longer. And most people, you know, they step out and they hear that voice. It's too hard. You never change. And they believe in that thought. And that thought leads to the same choice, which leads to the same behavior, creates the same experience, produces the same emotion. And then they say, oh, this Aubrey feels right to me. No, that feels familiar. So, so then, if you're becoming conscious of how you speak, you're sitting in your meditation, and you're becoming aware of how you act, that you complain, and you blame, and you make excuses, you feel sorry for yourself, you judge other people. Now you're conscious of what you're unconscious of. That's a victory too, because consciousness brings awareness. And there's an energy that goes along with that. And all of a sudden, you're not in the program. You're the consciousness observing the program. You're outside the jar you're objectifying your subjective self you're seeing yourself through the eyes of someone else and then when you look at those emotions and you say my goodness i i didn't even know it was guilt i just i, it, I this is how i always feel i didn't even know it was guilt now i know all right well now that you know you can't not know so then what are you going to do you're going to live with the knowing that you're you're a victim or you're guilty or you're suffering no the insight isn't going to do anything until you initiate some type of change so then You say, I'm going to stop blaming, complaining, make excuses, feeling sorry for myself, judging other people. Now, you're in the river. And there's a tug for the brain and body to go back to the familiar past. And and every day, if you just work on practicing and changing it, you will go from one state of being to another state of being. And you will begin to think differently. What thoughts do I want to fire and wire in my brain? That's a good question. What behaviors do I want to demonstrate in one day? The act of closing your eyes. As an athlete, you know this, and you begin to rehearse in your mind, mentally rehearse what you're about to do, begins to install the neurological hardware in your brain to look like you've already done it. Now the brain is no longer a record of the past. It's now a map to the future, and if you keep hitting that hardware over and over again, the hardware is gonna become a software program. And who knows? You just may start acting like a happy person. There's no magic there. You're, You're actually following suit of how you primed your brain. And it's no different than training in any sport or dancing the salsa or whatever you do. And then here's the toughest part. The toughest part is, can I teach my body emotionally? what that future feels like before it happens. Now, that sounds really easy, but when it comes down to feeling gratitude before the experience, most people go, "Uh, yeah, I gotta go, I'm, yeah, <laughs> didn't really feel it. You know? But the person who says, I'm not getting up, I'm just not gonna get up until I open my heart to life. Now, to me, that's, that's a willingness. So then as they trade guilt, and suffering for joy and freedom and they an inspiration and a love for life and they're doing it without relying on anything outside of them they're going to be more prone to no longer need anything outside of them to make them feel that way they're going to feel that way naturally and then everybody's going to be really suspicious like <gasps> he changed his medication Ooh, he's doing <laughs> something he's not telling me you know you're going to show up unpredictable in your life and that's when we begin to become outstanding or supernatural or extraordinary but you can't take any of that with you to become someone else and if someone says to me well i really can't do it because i've had this experience 22 years ago or 30 years ago i'm going to say to you that event had such a strong emotion that you haven't changed (laughs) since that experience and forget about the experience Just overcome the emotion because the memory without the emotional charge is called wisdom. And that's why we're here. So then you can look back at the past and you can say, wow, I learned something really great. I'd never do that again. And by the way, when the experience finally lands in your lap and you prove to yourself how powerful you really are, that you created something by thought alone and that event comes in a way that you never expected, that surprises you and leaves no doubt that what you were doing inside of you produced an effect outside of you and you are exuberant and you feel worthy of life and feel grateful to be alive that you are in love with the moment you will look back at your entire past in that moment i swear and you will not want to change one thing in your past because it got you to that present moment. And that's when it was all worth it. That's mm. when it all makes sense. Now you're free from the past. And now you're not, you're not thinking about the past any longer. You're believing in your future more than you're believing in your past. You're yeah. more in love with your future than you are with your past.
0: I think in hindsight, it is often easier for us to have gratitude for those things that have happened. The challenges have always created the greatest results in my life. Many of the times, you know, these things that were hard and these things I was afraid of when they actually came to pass the adaptation that those created, I can be incredibly grateful for. But then the skill then is to have that hindsight practice as your foresight practice so that when you're looking ahead towards the future you're knowing that whatever comes to you in the future will also be just like everything that's happened in your past and something that you're ultimately grateful for and if you can get that skill then i think you're really you're really on the canoe in that sure. river and you're really navigating that well
1: and 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 the cool thing about that is that if you truly practice like that level of gratitude or embracing the emotions of your future, you're literally—if you understand—you're changing your gene expression when you're doing it. You're strengthening your immune system when you do it. All of a sudden, you start to see all these fundamental benefits that are a side effect of your efforts. It's going to become something that you want to do all the time, something that you look forward to. And I and I and I think that uh, that's why we're here. I think and and when you truly get to that point, like that's a it's a It's an unlearning. We're hypnotized. We're conditioned into believing we need a reason for gratitude or joy, and consumerism makes it really clear, right? Mm. Until I get that, I'm this. But what if you've been creating, and every time you have the thought of your future, you've done it so many times, it makes you feel like you're connected to your future. Well, that's a conditioning as well. If you have the thought of your future and you feel the lack that it's not there, Then you're back to the victim, right? But if you can have the thought, and the thought actually produces, just like fear, the thought of something terrible happening in your life creates the feeling of fear, the thought of something wonderful in your life creating the feeling of gratitude. Then when you think about your future, you begin to emotionally condition your body into that future. Now here's the payoff. Thoughts are the electrical charge in the quantum field, and feelings are the magnetic charge in the quantum field. And how you think and how you feel broadcast information and energy into the field. So, into the collective field. In the, into the unified field. So, the yeah. question is what are you broadcasting every single day? So, then, if then, we know that once you begin to self regulate and you begin to open your heart, just in that small exercise. That we did the act of creating that kind of coherence in your heart begins to produce a Measurable magnetic field up to three meters wide that heart is actually producing a resonance That energy that that frequency carries information and when your heart is open. This is our center of oneness This is our center of wholeness. This is the union of polarity and duality This is the the connection of opposites So when the heart starts to become activated and we start to feel whole and it begins to put that energetic pattern into the field. That frequency can carry the thought of your health. It can carry the thought of your wealth. And the frequency that, that, of suffering can't ca- carries, carries different thoughts. It yeah. can't carry the thought of health.
0: Is that so? Projecting that electromagnetic frequency into the field, into the collective unified field, is that the fundamental causal response of that thing? attracting back towards you. So let's say you project that thing, let's say it's outside of your body. Like I think understanding how the gene expression works and understanding Mm -hmm. how you can heal your body is one thing, but how do you manifest that external thing from happening, that job offer from happening, that thing? You're projecting that out into the field, but what is the response mechanism that actually calls that back Uh, to you? uh, uh, Wow, we need three bottles of wine in three (laughs) hours for that. Uh, But
1: let's make it really simple. Um, 70% of the time, People live in survival, live in stress. And that invisible field of electromagnetism that's surrounding the body, that resource of energy is going to be squandered into chemistry. And every time you react, the field around your body shrinks a little bit more and you become more matter, less energy, more particle, less wave and then the hormones of stress cause you to narrow your focus on the cause. So when you narrow your focus on the cause, you're focusing on the particle in quantum physics matter and your senses are take so conditioned into focusing on matter that you're beginning to experience separation. So the more I live by the hormones of stress, the more I have separation. There's separation between me and you and my senses are fooling me into it, but the unified field says there is no separation. So then, if you're addicted to those emotions and you're you're they're heightening your senses, that's what they do in survival, and you become a materialist, and your field around your body shrinking, then you're going to feel separate from the quantum field, and it's going to take a long time for you to create what you want because you're separate from the field, and you will be matter trying to change matter. So the moment you begin to activate this center, this is our connection, this is our first connection to the unified field. The moment energy moves into this center. And we've measured this. The field around the body expands. And once there's energy in the heart, guess where it goes? Straight up to the brain. The heart acts as an amplifier. And literally, it begins to increase energy in the brain. So now, once that field begins to expand, and you get beyond, you take all of your attention off your body, off people in your life, the things you own, the place you need to be in time itself, and you become pure consciousness, and you take all of your attention out of this three-dimensional reality, out of the known, and you start putting your attention on that field. There is a technique that we teach to do that. And you begin to feel connected from that field. Now, the faster the frequency, the higher the emotion you feel, the shorter amount of time it's going to take for it to appear in your life. Because the faster the frequency, the closer you're getting to oneness and wholeness. So then when you teach people how to get beyond all of the elements in this three-dimensional reality and begin to open their heart their heart in that frequency is their Connection to the field the moment they open their heart They become more energy than matter more wave than particle and now that becomes the amplifier That begins to generate a whole new set of thoughts a whole new consciousness and that heart center then makes us want to serve Makes us want to take care of one another to inform one another to help one another to give to one another to heal one another That's that's what creates unity. We know this to be the case. We've taken a thousand people in a room We've set 50 people in the front of the room wearing HRV monitors heart rate monitors And we've told the entire audience to move into heart coherence and brain coherence and have the intent for the greatest good for the people sitting in the front of the room and in a matter of seconds, all their hearts go into coherence at the exact same time, in the exact same day, in the exact same meditation. They're being influenced by energy, and their autonomic nervous system is being entrained to a new frequency. So imagine then, you begin to change your energy. You begin to affect
0: many people in your life. And those people don't have to be right there next to you where you're touching, because when you put that in 10 out, we're all so much more connected than nope. we... I'll
1: ever believe and and we are, connected. we are connected. We are connected and that now you're creating from the field so imagine then if you're connect if you're feeling connected to all possibilities <laughs> then <laughs> it makes sense then that once you're connected you don't have to worry about how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen it's none of your business.
0: It's like your consciousness is already communicating with the consciousness of all of the collective consciousness around you which we're all connected to ultimately. And the closer you get to source the more you can surrender and go deeper,
1: the more connected you are, then how it plays out in three-dimensional reality, leave it up to the greater mind Mm. and just live as if your future has already happened. Try it out. I mean, see what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's some parts, there's some parts where this starts to get into that kind of the weird the, the weird territory here. And I want to take a little time here at the end to talk about this. And you you mentioned it in your book and I've heard from people who have been to your workshops. Some people who get into really slow delta frequencies start to have very mystical experiences. You've talked to yourself about you told the story of one experience where you actually visualized your pineal gland and the mouth of it opening up and spilling out this frothy white thing and you stopping time and understanding and seeing time. And if, I mean, these are the classic psychedelic experiences that we use other different compounds to get to, but you're reaching that state in meditation through your practices, through your visualization, and some very interesting things are happening. Sure, yeah. Well,
1: uh, first of all, uh, we, if we have those receptors in our brain. Mm -hmm. It must mean our brain is capable of making those uh, substances. And so there's four states of consciousness. There's wakefulness, there's sleep, there's dreaming, and then there's a transcendental moment. And when you've had enough of everything (laughs) in this 3D world and nothing new is happening, you start wondering if there's something else. And so for me, uh, you have a few mystical moments when you're a kid or in your early uh, part of your life, and you start chasing that experience. And so for me, I wanted to understand if there was a bridge between that world where there are infinite number of dimensions uh, and this three-dimensional world that we live in. So my, my interest uh, in uh, explaining this mystical science of the pineal gland is really thinking of the pineal gland as the brain's radio receiver. And it can only be activated through a certain process. And we have the most beautiful brain scans to show that we're seeing a trend. That when a person begins to take their attention off of everything material, three-dimensional reality, a narrow focus on matter, a divergent focus, and they begin to broaden their focus, begin to open their focus, and create what's called a, a uh, divergent focus. When they do that properly, the act of opening their awareness and putting their attention on nothing begins to suppress this thinking brain and slow brainwaves down into alpha, but not just any kind of alpha, very organized, coherent alpha. And now we're seeing the beauty of when they really can just allow their body to rest and almost fall asleep and keep their mind awake. There's this door, there's this opening. Mm -hmm. And when they silence the activity in the neocortex, they get beyond their analytical mind, their thinking brain, that memory bank of the known self. And if you're in theta, there's very little brain activity there. So you're aware, you're kind of conscious in your subconscious mind. Now we start to see Very profound patterns where theta levels and even delta now become the primary uh, frequency in the brain. And not just a little theta, not just a lot of theta, like a lot, a lot of theta. And when you see that way outside of normal, we now know what's about to happen. We now know in the next instant there's going to be an arousal. And now the sympathetic nervous system switches on when you feel pain, when you feel fear, and when you feel anger or aggression. And it's mostly survival stuff. But when this latent system switches on, and the sympathetic nervous system switches on, the arousal that's created is energy moving from the body right up into the brain. And when that gate at the brainstem called the thalamic gate opens up, and that energy rushes all the way up into the pineal gland, the moment that happens, the brain goes into what's called gamma brainwave patterns. Now, the amount of gamma that we're measuring is not a lot, not a real lot, not a super amount of a lot. It's like Hulk levels. Like extraordinary amounts, <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of standard deviations outside of normal. Now, the amount of coherent gamma. In the brain, in that moment, is a sign the person's having a very subjective experience that we're measuring objectively. They're having a full on sensory experience without their senses. And whatever's going on between their ears, the vision that they're having, they're not visualizing, it's happening to them. In other words, if your senses were heightened by 25% right now, everything you were seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, if your, if your senses were heightened, your awareness of everything around you would be heightened. And awareness is consciousness. You can't have consciousness without energy. So now, all of a sudden, the energy in the brain goes way up. And the person now is literally in a whole other world. They're in another dimension. That's why the pineal gland is called the third eye because Mm -hmm. it's a profound vision. Now, once the autonomic nervous system switches on and it goes into gamma brainwave patterns, that radio receiver has tiny little calcite crystals, stacked rhombohedrons that are on top of each other. And those crystals begin to shimmer. Mm -hmm. They begin to oscillate. And now the radio receiver is activated. Mm -hmm. And now all you gotta do is keep this melon, this mechanism suppressed and tune into frequencies And all those frequencies carry information. And when the brain latches on to a frequency, the pineal gland acts as a transducer. And a transducer is no different than a TV antenna that takes one form of energy, frequency, and turns it into, or transduces it into imagery. And the pineal gland begins to release upgraded versions of melatonin. And melatonin already causes us to dream, but now whew, you're gonna really dream. It already causes us to relax, but now you're gonna make a benzodiazepine. You are gonna chill way out. <laughs> you are no longer gonna be in survival. The, the melatonin is already. An antioxidant, but you're going to make two of the most powerful antioxidants known to man. Anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti-heart disease, anti-stroke, anti-neurodegenerative, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. Two molecules. Release the same chemical in the brain that hibernating animals produce. No sex drive, no appetite, no preoccupation with the outer environment. That means you move out of survival, the body goes into stasis. You can, you can the body can dream as long as you want. And now, (laughs) all of a sudden, you start to release the same chemical found in electric eels. What is that? The nervous system is going to become electrically activated. The amplitudes of energy are going to go up in the brain. There's going to be a profound firing. And then you make that one amazing chemical called dimethyltryptamine. And that begins to switch on. And what happens is you no longer move through space to experience time you move through times and you experience dimensions or spaces and the biggest lie that we've ever been told is that we're linear beings living a linear life (laughs) we are dimensional beings living a dimensional life and when the doors of dimension open to you and you get a glimpse of how big this really is you are going to care less about politics you're going to care less about who's famous and who isn't because you're going to realize you're all of that and more and all of a sudden now uh we have people that have switched this system this latent system on and they have a greater understanding of who they really are and it, it all of a sudden shows that there is no past life. <laughs> They're all happening now. I don't know how else to say that. And, and when we activate this latent system, the information that's being translated into profound imagery, that experience, that rich experience, experience enriches the brain. Now you're laying down circuits for something that has nothing to do with the material world, and that experience produces an emotion, but the emotion... It's not gonna be guilt or shame or unworthiness or fear. The emotion are gonna be ecstasy or bliss. Mm. And the stronger the emotion you feel, the more you're gonna be paying attention to those pictures in your mind. And literally, you're gonna to begin to rewire your brain for the mystical. And when you open your eyes and you come back to your senses, you're going to see a broader spectrum of reality. You're gonna to begin to see what has always existed, but you didn't have the circuits in place to experience them because we don't see things how they are we see things how we are mm-hmm. so now the person all of a sudden opens their eyes and oh, i've had this happen you see colors and light like you've never seen before you hear everything's melodious everything's unified it's the smell the taste the feeling of everything is just enhanced and and we're here in three-dimensional reality for that mm. i mean we're here to really experience life fully i mean that's why i'm here that i'm not going to be guilty i'm not going to be sad i mean we how many times have we done that i mean that mystical moment um when you have that experience and you begin to perceive a whole in a whole different way uh and and you connect it to that intelligence uh you will see that that energy that intelligence in every human being in everything around you and you'll feel more connected and less separate and i, I think that's uh, and i think that's why we're here
0: no doubt that changes the whole game It changes the whole game board and the more of us that light up in that way and feel that thing the more the collective is informed with that same information the more it becomes available so it becomes this game of momentum it's a footprint a yep. footprint for you to step into and as we've seen that we've seen
1: the footprints of people who have who have healed themselves of cancer and it's in the field and they step into those same footprints but we also Have evidence in three-dimensional reality and you see the woman who's now ms free and now the evidence in three-dimensional reality says i have permission to do it so it's in the field and it's in three dimensional reality and it should be in both that's the evidence we need uh, to know that it's possible and and the cool part about it is that nobody is excluded from it
0: Mm. so you know i think one thing for everybody listening to know is that you describe some of the techniques in your books you also have uh audio tapes with some of the meditations and then of course the workshops you really want to dive into this you have you have the you know you have the schematics for how to get in this even for the you know something that mimics what kundalini practice would be squeezing the energy up into the brain to create these kind of it's been around for thousands and thousands of years yeah, so you have the schematics and and I really encourage everybody to check that out. I had a I have one question though that I thought was interesting. So if you read Stoic philosophy and you look at some of the samurai literature, like the Hagakure, they talk about premeditation or they talk about dispelling their fears by going into the fear and then allow surrendering to that fear and unwinding the fear that that held. And that's been something that's been important for me in my process. My first ayahuasca journey was taking me through all the ways that I could possibly die, eventually landing on cancer, which was the scariest for me, until I surrendered to that fear and then released it, and my fear of death has been ultimately dissipated from that. What is your thought on, because obviously this is putting yourself in somewhat of a negative reality, But it has somewhat of a positive result in that it it can allow you to dispel the fear that you're actually experiencing if as long as you don't get stuck there. Sure. Well, modern psychology
1: calls it systematic desensitization. Mm -hmm. What you do is if you want to desensitize someone to a fear of something, you have them imagine being in it and working on practicing surrendering to the fear or getting beyond the fear, relaxing and calming down. And Mm -hmm. so you're breaking, it's called inhibition. You start inhibiting that conditioning process because you're having the thought and you're choosing to not feel that emotion or begin to self-regulate a new emotion. And the research shows that if you do that properly, there are are afferent fibers from the heart that go right to the amygdala, straight to the amygdala. (laughs) And what it does is it shuts the lights out for fear. It lowers the volume for pain and suffering and it cools off the circuits for that kind of tenacity and aggression and what happens is you get this resetting of a baseline and so now the person is more safe that they're they're not anticipating the next threat the next danger they're not looking around the corner for the predator their body's not in that vigilance their body's more in the present moment and so so um you begin to desensitize yourself when you confront the fear or you confront the possible scenario and you begin to choose a different emotion or you break from that emotion. And because people do the the opposite really well. They think about the worst thing that's going to happen to them in their lives and then they say, no, it could even get worse. (laughs) And they begin to emotionally feel the fear before it happens. And they're conditioning their brain and body, to subconsciously become the mind the fear. Do it enough times, and your body is going to have a panic attack without you. Try as you may to control it with your conscious mind. You won't be able to because you programmed it subconsciously. And then you start worrying about the next time it's going to happen, and it's that very, very... A state of being that begins to create the next one. And so then the doctor says it's chemical imbalance in your brain. It's a hardware problem. Well, the insight doesn't change anything. And when you have that first panic attack and you're in the supermarket, the moment you feel that change in your inner state, you're looking around to see in your outer environment what's causing it. And you think it's an airplane or it's a supermarket. And so then, you know there you, uh, you know, you take the drug, but the the drug doesn't heal the condition. In fact, you'll still stay away from supermarkets or airplanes. So then it's a software problem. Your father was overbearing, was a perfectionist. He was really hard on you. So now you have the insight. My father was overbearing, does it heal it? No, so then you go to the psychic. The psychic says that you were burned at the stake yeah. in the 1500s. Uh, you're a charismatic Christian in the south of France. Uh, oh, yeah, now you start reaffirming. Yeah, this is why I am this way. Or Mercury's in retrograde. Really? <laughs> 93 million miles away, some planet is controlling. Who, my, my, that's what's reason for my fear. Uh, people will come up with all kinds of reasons. But sooner or later, you're going to have to confront yourself. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of brain scans of people who have had anxiety and that just don't have it anymore. These are professionals. These are dentists, engineers. Uh, these are uh, nurses, people that really were struggling a great deal with it. You cannot be anxious if you're in the present moment, and it's mm. just a skill. So so I think that, that our, we can use it... F- in a positive way yeah and And, i think that thing
0: you said about choosing the different emotion when you engage that fear so engage it and then choose not to be scared and i think or what am i going to do if i feel that i mean
1: yeah we have activities in every one of our week-long events where we know that people can do brain and heart coherence we've got the we got the scans to prove it and then we say okay now that we know that you can do it uh, let's go 38 floors up on uh, on the hotel and let's repel off the side of the hotel and this is not about an adrenal rush this is actually about the opposite. we got heart rate monitors on them, and this is the moment. This is the moment when you're standing up there, can you breathe? Can you stay in your body? Can you relax? And the more you rehearse, I always say to them, what are you gonna do when you get up there? Hmm. Because if you don't know what you're gonna do, you're gonna throw a program in there and you're gonna get fearful and go unconscious. But if you can stay conscious and you're reviewing what you're gonna do and you start practicing, you're priming your brain and body for, for that experience. So what's the significance of that? Overcome that in brain and heart coherence, you'll walk into your life and you'll use the same thing in the same circumstances when you're faced with fear in your life and you won't be gripped by it. And if you just went off 38 floors in heart and brain coherence and you mastered it, you probably will look at the problems in your life as so much less intimidating hmm. than what you just did. And, and people, people leave their fear. So, so we wanna put them in situations that would normally evoke a strong emotion or a program. And say, yeah, that's natural, that's normal, but what would supernatural do? So let's practice that. And so we, we have a challenge activity, uh, that's where I just came from. And, uh, and again, putting people in those situations where they don't think they can go any further, and then they go further. And that's what we want them to do, because going further means they're going against thousands of years of programming, thousands of years of fear and conditioning. And, uh, and, and, and when it happens, uh, they're liberating energy. And that's available energy for them to heal with. That's available energy for them to create a new life with.
0: Well, and this podcast, you know, hopefully did that for many people as well. Gave them the permission to choose a different reality, to choose something from the quantum field of infinite possibilities, to choose something that suits them in this experience and this opportunity to live in this body with these beautiful people around us and everything that we have available. Like, let's choose something that really fills us up with that love of life, that passion, that joy, that sense of assisting and helping everybody else community collectively everybody that we're connected with let's let's choose that let's choose that thing all of us and, and we have the power and i think you know just the deepest gratitude to you and your work for helping show the way to so many of us thank
1: you so much and thank you for your great work also yeah thank you brother and
0: thank you everybody <laughs> goodbye i hope you guys love that podcast as much as i did please i encourage you Dive into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Read his book, Becoming Supernatural. Download his meditations. Actually do it. It's one thing to know about it, because I've known about it for a long time. It's a whole other thing to do it. That's when you start to see your life really change before your eyes. So please, join me in this journey. I'll share my own struggles, my own failures, my own triumphs. We'll do this thing together. Thanks, everybody. And remember, as always, go to onnit.com slash Aubrey to save 10%. Go to my website, aubreymarcus.com, sign up for the newsletter, check everything out. I love you, and I'll see you next week.